Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Several NBA playoff games have been postponed after the Milwaukee Bucks boycott of Game 5 over the police shooting of Jacob Blake. The family of the Wisconsin man shot seven times in the back in front of his children says Blake is partially paralyzed. Meantime, a 17-year-old faces murder charges in connection with the killing of two people after protests in Kenosha Tuesday night. We check in on the situation in Wisconsin and its effect on the sports world. Then voting is one way to make change, but not if your ballot is rejected. We learn how to avoid common mail-in balloting mistakes. That's all next on Forum, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Protesters condemning the police shooting of Jacob Blake gathered in Los Angeles and Oakland last night to demand accountability from the officers involved and justice for Blake. Meantime, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse faces charges of first-degree intentional homicide for allegedly killing two people after protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Tuesday night. Kenosha is again under curfew, and for more on what's happening there, we turn to Sean Johnson, Capitol Bureau Chief of Wisconsin Public Radio. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Thanks for having me. So you were in Kenosha last night. What were the protests like there? So I have to say last night's protests were very different from what we had seen the previous three nights. Um, We didn't really know what to expect going into last night because we knew there was going to be a huge police presence. We knew that our governor had increased uh, the number of National Guard troops who would be available to assist police in Kenosha. Um, He had authorized up to 500 troops to be there. And we knew that there was going to be some level of federal involvement because President Donald Trump had tweeted about Kenosha and said that was going to happen. And, you know, so you had all that built up and the shooting the night before uh, led to a lot of uncertainty. What you saw last night was that aside from kind of a a brief appearance at around seven o'clock last night by a large, you know, armored police vehicle, Police basically kept their distance all night. And, you know, I was out there for several hours as protesters marched around the city. And at least last night, there were no confrontations with police that I saw. Uh, and there, you know, were no, none of the um, militia out in the streets with long guns, open carrying that uh, 
were in Kenosha the night before. Hmm. And what did you see while you were there? And, and what was the general mood? Well, I mean, the city... Mean like the scene of the city, yes. Yeah, yeah. The city looks... Um, I mean, it looks very different from for, for anybody who would know Kenosha. There are a lot of buildings that have been, you know, burned. They're just reduced to a pile of rubble. Uh, there are used car lots in the neighborhood there where the, you know, the cars are just, uh, uh, you know, totally burnt. There are city trucks that had been parked here and there blocking off intersections. Um, they've been burnt. The, the county courthouse and a number of surrounding buildings have been uh, blocked off by a, this large steel fence that you've seen, you know, in other cities like, like Portland. Uh, it's a, it's a huge security perimeter. Um, and, you know, just property damage kind of widespread in, in Kenosha, which is a mm. town of about a hundred thousand people in this neighborhood specifically. Mm. And what do we know about the status of Jacob Blake? What we know right now um you know, as, at least from his attorneys who have talked to uh, a variety of news outlets, uh, you know, they told NPR that Blake was still in critical condition. He'd had several operations. Uh, the odds of him walking again are not very probable. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that uh, at least one bullet went through his spinal cord, leaving him paralyzed. His liver and kidney were damaged. He has holes in his stomach and his colon and small intestines were removed. Um, and, uh, you know, on Tuesday he was in stable, but uh, still in the intensive care unit. And uh, they said he would require many surgeries. We know that following the protests uh, on Tuesday night, there was some kind of interaction at a gas station and a man, a 17 year old actually named Kyle Rittenhouse uh, has been arrested now in connection with the killing of two people. Can you tell us what you're learning about Kyle Rittenhouse and why he was arrested at his home in Antioch, Illinois, as opposed to in Kenosha when the incident occurred where many police officers were present? A lot of what we know about what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse that night comes from, uh, you know, this really huge connect collection, it feels like, of social media accounts from people who are there, uh, who go to these things, you know, either to uh, for their Twitter feed, for their Facebook live stream, for other live streams. Um, they were right there at the scene of some of the most horrific events that happened in Kenosha that night. And so there's video uh, and pictures of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, you know, we know that, uh, as you mentioned, he's a 17 year old from Antioch, Illinois. Uh, he is, um, he's wanted in, in Kenosha on accusations of first degree intentional homicide and after having fled the state of Wisconsin with the intent to avoid prosecution for that offense, according to court documents. And he was there as a self-appointed local militia um, helping guard businesses. You know, he, he described himself as being there to, to step in if, um, you know, if something happened, he had a, a weapon at his, uh, at his ready and, um, 
you know, WBEZ reported he was part of a public safety cadet program, program as a teenager and very active in, you know, kind of the Blue Lives Matter movement in, in the gun, you know, a very pro-gun activist, I think you described him as. Um, that night, you know, after the shootings, which are captured on video, you do see him approaching police uh, with his hands in the air. They tell him to clear the street, essentially. And, um, you know, it's, it's not until he goes back to Illinois that he is arrested. We just know that the police chief said yesterday that it was essentially a chaotic situation there. And um, that's why he wasn't arrested. Um, although it wasn't clear that he had seen that video specifically. The police chief, uh, Kenosha police chief, Dan Miskinis, says quite a bit more as well in terms of what he thinks caused this shooting, these killings, actually. And I want to play a little bit for you now. Here's police chief Dan Miskinis. Everybody involved was out after the curfew. I'm, I'm not going to make a great deal of that, but the point is the curfew's in place to protect. Had persons not been out involved in, in violation of that, perhaps the situation that, that unfolded would not have happened. Has there been a reaction to that? I mean, <laughs> definitely there has been here in the Bay Area the suggestion that, you know, had people not been out after curfew, essentially protesters that what unfolded would not have happened, essentially almost blaming them for for the killings? It, it was a shocking press conference. I mean, it, it, it was a shocking turn of events. This has been a, a horrible week for Kenosha. Um, and so, you know, two, two people being shot fatally uh, on the streets, captured on video. Um, people wanted to hear at this press conference about that. And it, it took them quite a while, the, the police chief of Kenosha, the city and county, to get to that point. They also raised the... Um, they, they talked about why it was a good idea to not deputize militia to protect Kenosha. And they talked about it in terms of um, that would have been a bad liability mistake. You know, that was the first time that they raised um, the issue was in talking about it, you know, in, ter in terms of liability. So, um, yes, that caught people's attention here Um when it was described in that way and under those terms. I know that you cover um, politics for Wisconsin Public Radio, among so many other things, but can you help us understand a little bit about the relationship between uh, the, the police department and the community, if you have any insight into that, but also into you know, some confusing comments by the governor about whether or not, you know, he would be accepting more troops to send to assist police there uh, and sheriff's deputies there. So help us understand why there just seems to be more confusion than clarity coming from officials. Well, I mean, in, in terms of the police department's relationship with the community, I mean, I, I think that you probably say any any community is going to have some sort of a, a history there, uh, a complicated history. But in Kenosha, uh, they're actually, um, we have a state law now when it comes to investigations when uh, someone is, sh is shot by police. And that state law was pushed for 
by uh, a man named Michael Bell, whose son was shot by police outside of their home in 2004 in Kenosha. Uh, so there is a history in that community of dealing with events like this. In terms of Wisconsin and, and what the governor has ordered, um, it, it he initially he uh, was very his first comments about the shooting of Jacob Blake were you know, critical of what he saw of the police shooting. And over time, he, he authorized 125 National Guard. He increased that to 250. What you've heard from Republicans in Wisconsin who control the legislature, which and what you heard from a number of local officials in Kenosha was that they wanted more National Guard. The governor said he never heard that from them directly. Um, but the White House is saying they wanted to send more and that the governor declined them. He has now authorized up to 500 National Guard troops, but you didn't see them out publicly last night. Well, we just have about 30 seconds or so left. And I just can you help us understand where you feel like folks in Wisconsin are on this issue right now? I'm sure this is not something they they necessarily thought would happen in their state, in, in the county of Kenosha, what they're grappling with, 30 seconds. It's a, it's a very closely divided state in terms of our politics, about as closely divided as you get. And Kenosha is, is kind of split down the middle as well. And so it's not like everybody's on the same page when it comes to what's happened in Kenosha. Um, you know, watching these shootings is horrific. People are also bothered by watching buildings burn in Kenosha. Well, Sean Johnson, thanks for uh, giving us the situation there. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Sean Johnson, Capitol Bureau Chief for Wisconsin Public Radio. We'll have more on the Jacob Blake shooting and also its effect on the sports world after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.